0: All right, I'd like for you to take your blue sheet right here, and uh, again, we're going through a book called uh, The Intangibles of Leadership, The Ten Qualities of Superior Executive Performance. And in this, uh, there is a PhD, Richard Davis, who's done all this study, and, and his emphasis was... Not so much on the external characteristics, such as how much schooling you have, how many degrees you have, physical characteristics, how tall, how short, uh, all these type of things. He says, I'm not talking about any of that. He says, as I've looked at leadership, he says, there are intangibles that the great leaders have. Now, let me tell you what's so great about intangibles. The great thing about intangibles is every one of us can get these. Everyone can get these. You can't sit there and say, well, if I only had my PhD, if I only had my master's, then I could do this and that. No, no one's limited. And so I hope as we walk through these and kind of go through this book that you will see that it can help you to be a better leader in, in wherever you are. And uh, last month, we looked at the word will, W-I-L-L, and it talked about the will to do things, and it means that if you had a strong will, it was a combination of seizing chance opportunities and then having the drive to capitalize on them. You seize the opportunity, and then you had the drive to capitalize on it. Today, we're going to look at regulating your emotions. Now, the title of the chapter is called Executive Maturity, but I didn't think any of us were mature, so I said, let's go with regulating. Your emotions. And so in regulating your emotions, you'll see on the front of your sheet there's a quote. And it says, Emotions affect the way we see the world, the way we make decisions, and the way we are perceived by others. Emotions are so important. And to be a great leader, we need to learn how to regulate those emotions. So I want you to turn the sheet over. We have some fill-in-the-blanks for you. And the first thing says the need to develop the ability to fit the emotion to the demands of the situation. There's a need to develop the ability to fit the emotion to the demands of the situation. There are all kinds of emotions that we have, and there are all kinds of situations. The most effective leaders are the ones that know how to put the right emotion in the right situations. And so what sets apart. The extraordinary leader is that not only do they understand the emotions of the people that work for them, but they've also got a pretty good handle on how to control their own emotions. Now, every one of us have got something in common, and that is that we have an emotional filter. And there are two types of emotional filters. Number one is the short filter. And the short filter means you react immediately to the information. Something comes across your desk, some person comes across your path, you react immediately. Some have a long filter, and that is you process the information, and then you respond appropriately. All right? Which one do you think has the greatest influence on others, the short filter or the long filter? Usually it's a long filter. Because you know what people do? They sit back and they see that you're thinking about what you're getting ready to say before you actually say it. But we've all got these filters. Some got short filters. Some have got long filters. So let's get into the qualities in leaders who regulate emotions. And after Richard Davis did all this study, he came up with these particular qualities. Number one, they can mix it up. They can mix it up. What he means by that is they can raise their voice when they need to. And they know there are times you got to turn up the heat, but there are also times where you substitute reason for emotion. We don't need a lot of emotion here. We need some reason. And the most effective leaders have the ability to do both, and they know when to use which one. You really need to know your people. and You need to get a sense of that organizational environment to mix up how you respond to them in their situations. You know, if your people have really been busting it for over a month or so, but yet the results are not there, that's probably not the best time for you to put more pressure on them and hammer them again because you may just be beating them down. There may be some times when you sense your organization, kind of feel a pulse of the organization to say, you know what? I, at this time, I don't think they need the heat. They may need something over here that's a little bit different. But then there are other times when there's almost this malaise that's that's crept into the organization. You said, I got to turn up the heat now. But they know how to mix it up. Okay. Number two, they don't get defensive. The extraordinary leaders don't get defensive. They take in feedback, they listen to people's concerns, and then they process it. That means they don't always have to agree with what they're hearing, but they listen thoughtfully they don't get defensive now I know I've worked with people and for people that get very defensive you start bringing stuff up they start bowing up on you and start getting very very defensive on there it's just the great leaders are the one that will listen hear you out they may not always agree with it but they're gonna listen thoughtfully and one thing I've learned in life is that no matter what criticism comes to me there's usually some kernel of truth in every piece of criticism and so we need to at least listen And there could be some truth that you can take from it. But don't get defensive. Number three, they take a moment. They take a moment. That means that they don't react hastily. They think before they respond. And and you can see the difference in these two type of people. There's one kind of person that um, you will be in a group and somebody will be talking and you can already sense it. They are sitting up on their chair and and they're just ready to put in their two cents worth. And, And you can see it. And, and, they, and really what they're waiting for you to do is take a breath. Because as soon as you take a breath, they're jumping in because they know exactly what they want to say. And so they're sitting right there on the edge. And, and as soon as there's that moment, boom, they jump right in. So, well, let me tell you what I think about that. And I just think you're totally wrong over here. And this is really what we should be doing over here. And they are just blowing through it on here. It says here that the great leaders, the extraordinary leaders are the ones that they, they take a moment. And what they do is they listen and they listen actively and fully. Two good words. They listen actively and fully to the person that is speaking. Then they allow a few beats to pass, and then they respond in a relevant and a considerable way. Now, two things about this. The first thing about this is that every person wants to be heard. I have learned this through life to where there are a lot of people that may question things that I do or decisions that I make. And what I've discovered is that where they get frustrated is when you don't ever listen to them. Most people just want to be heard, to at least know that their, their opinion is valued. And even if they give their opinion, and then you listen to it and you say, I really appreciate that. And I tell you, I've thought through this too, but let me just tell you where I disagree with you, and maybe we can help kind of work this out. I've never had a person leave my office that was upset that I disagreed with them. The only time they'd ever be upset is if I never listened to them. People just want to be heard. And so when you say take a moment, it means don't always be thinking what's the next thing I'm going to say. You just sit back and you listen. And then after you listen, then you move forward. I'm telling you, the people that that people listen to the most are the ones that know how to take a breath, take a moment, process, and then respond. Uh, Adrian Rogers. Anybody here remember Adrian Rogers? He was a pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church and he's the guy who had when everyone says it's the voice of God it was Adrian Rogers. When God put together a pastor and gave him a voice everybody wanted the voice of Adrian Rogers. He just had the greatest voice. Well, I had the great privilege of being in a large church. There was a group of mega church guys that would meet once a year and so I was able to cross paths and meet him and and he was He's just like a hero. He's just unbelievable. Uh, it's just his character, his integrity, everything about him. And we would have these mega church meetings. And so you get 40, you know, sometimes 30, 40 pastors in there. And I know this is scary for some of you, and you don't think about it, but sometimes these pastors have got big egos, okay? And, um, and Joe Godfrey back there smiling, yes. Uh, and... And so when a subject would come up, everybody was going to pontificate. And everybody's bloviating. And everybody's throwing in all these ideas. And actually, I was new and young. And I was not that dumb. I just sat back and listened. And I'd watch Adrian Rogers. And he'd never say anything. He'd never say anything. And then all of a sudden, it'd kind of die down. And it just seemed like everyone would look over. And the voice of God would come. (laughs) And that deep voice of Adrian Rogers, he would nail it in about three sentences, he would come and take everything everybody talked about, zero in, boom, put it just like that. And if you ever knew Adrian Rogers, it'd be an alliterative too. I mean, he would have it in the three R's or this, 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 or whatever, and he would lay it out. And all of a sudden I look back and I just was amazed. And you know what I learned? Every year when I went to those meetings, all I did was just wait for Adrian to speak. It was like EF Hutton uh, because I knew that what he said was not only God ordained, but it had been thought through And I learned from Adrian Rogers, you just got to take a moment. Just take a moment, hear everybody, process your thoughts, and then begin to speak. All right. Number four, the great leaders, they demonstrate an emotional bandwidth. They demonstrate an emotional bandwidth. And what that means is they're able to match the visible emotion that they have to the needs of the situation. And they have a wide range of emotions. When the pressure is on, they can show intensity. When they need to show intensity, they can do that. On the other hand, they can back off and they can show joy in the midst of a celebration. When we got a win in the organization, I'm right there, we're high five and we got a joy, everything's good. When somebody kind of needs to be kicked in the rear, I can turn up the burner. That's what these guys do. Turn it up, put a little bit of pressure, got to put a little bit of heat. But they've got this emotional bandwidth. Now, if you're sitting out here and all you do is yell, if that's it, that, that's your go-to, is just to holler and yell and do that, that's just like, you just got like one tool in your toolbox. And you just got one tool in your toolbox, you're not going to be a very effective leader. You need to develop these different emotional responses and be able to hit the right emotion in the right situation And when you get the pulse of your organization and you begin to sense how, how things are going there, you will know when do I turn up the burner or when do I kind of back off? All right. Number five is this. They stay cool under pressure. They stay cool under pressure. When the going gets tough, what do we say? When the going gets tough, what? Tough get going. That's right. And I can phrase it a little differently in saying that when the going gets tough, People want someone they believe can navigate their way through a crisis. When things get tough, everybody's looking for someone to kind of navigate their way through a crisis. And that's what they're looking for in a leader. Because all of a sudden there's panic out there and we're looking for somebody that can be strong, that can navigate that way. And I tell you, if you're a leader and you stay strong through a crisis, your people are watching you and learning from you. And, um, you know, this, this always drives me crazy. Uh, whenever I watch a movie or I, even real life, when they're doing a, a, a news broadcast on something that's happened, and people are just going crazy. I mean, they're screaming and they're hollering and they're doing all this stuff. And Janice knows me. It just freaks me out. I just say, somebody just calm down. Somebody just get with a cool head and lead this group. And that's what you need. That's what the experienced leader is. Everyone else is over here and, and, and things are kind of panicky and we're screwed on what to do. You need somebody that can stay cool under pressure. You can, you can put your arm around them and love them during the difficult time, but yet you've got to be strong enough to be the leader to be able to navigate them through the crisis. And that's what the expert leaders are. They stay cool under pressure. Things are falling apart. Things are difficult. But, hey, I'm going to hang in there and I'm going to be that strong person. And we're going to be able to make it through this. This is true in business and it's true in our families. And, and I just speak to the men here. I, you know, if if you're married, that is our responsibility is to be a leader of our family. And what our wives want from us as men is to someone that can navigate their way through the crisis and know that there's someone there that's strong for us. It doesn't say that women are not strong. It's just when they get married, they really want that husband to be able to step up to the plate and say, hey we can navigate through here. Uh you're reading the book with Bronner Burgess over there. Uh, when um when uh when the accident happened, Rick was uh out of town. Uh, he was up in Gatlinburg, I believe, speaking in there and Michael Adler our worship minister and myself both got the phone calls and we met Sherry down at the uh, down at the emergency room uh there at St. Vincent's. And Uh, it was a difficult time. Her her child had died and her husband's hours away and, uh, Rick's got on a plane. He's flying back and all she was waiting for was for Rick to get there. And Michael and I could say things to her, but we were just not her husband. So the question is, is what would happen when Rick got there? And I tell you, I've I've been in ministry. Uh, I've been living 62 years. This is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life is when Rick Burgess walked through those doors at St. Vincent's. And I remember meeting him in the hallway. And all he wanted to know is, where's Sherry? You know, where's my wife? And when he walked through those doors, I've never seen anyone as strong and as spirit-filled as that individual right there he came in and he comforted his wife. Like I've never seen anyone comfort their wife. And as he completed that, he then went and went to see the, the the body of his child. And uh, as we stood there, there were doctors and nurses in the room. He said, let's pray. And when he prayed, you know what he prayed for? He prayed for the salvation of the doctors and nurses that were standing in that room. And, uh, uh, he had an eternal perspective and he was strong and he stayed strong through that whole ordeal, uh, with Sherry and i it'll come out in the book, but I had the privilege of seeing it firsthand. I've never seen something as strong as that, but what that is, that's staying cool under pressure. Now that's an extreme example, but there are times in our business lives that when things start kind of falling apart, The extraordinary leader is the one who stays cool under pressure. That doesn't mean you don't have any emotion. No, your emotions are are churning like this too. But because you're the leader, you're the one that's got to take those emotions, kind of push that to the side and say, what's best for the organization? What's best for our people? i got to stay cool and move forward. Okay, that makes sense? All right, number six, they help others deal with emotions. They help others deal with emotions. That means you're not just concerned for yourself. But you influence others in the organization. Great illustration of this, he brings down the book is, um, is Rudy Giuliani, the mayor of New York City when the 9 11 attacks came. And, uh, and, you know, that really kind of put Rudy on the map. Because he stepped up and he was so strong in his leadership for the people there in New York City uh, that people were so amazed when he began to be so confident. And what he was doing was he was rallying millions of people by his composure when everyone else was distraught and, and wondering what they were to do. He was a real beacon of strength. And you see, what he did was he was helping others deal with their emotions. And if you went back and studied what he did, uh, he didn't sit there and say, hey, let's just get over this. He understood we're hurting. And he helped them how to deal with the emotions. But then he gave them strength at the same time and said, but we can go forward on this. All right. And number seven is they don't hold grudges or they obsess over lost opportunities. They don't hold grudges or obsess over lost opportunities. So well, what, what does that mean? If I've got to control my emotions... If you've done something wrong to me and I hold a grudge against you, it's going to affect everything that I operate with you. Everything that goes on, I'm going to come at it a little bit different because I'm going to hold that grudge against you. And my emotions are not going to be in check because they're going to be ruled by this bitterness and by this grudge. Or I'm going to obsess over lost opportunities. Well, we could have done this and we didn't. And if that controls me, we'll never move forward as a company. He says the guys that are the strong and the gals that are strongest leaders are the ones that they don't hold grudges. And it says their behaviors are always aligned to the organization's goals and they look at the bigger picture. And that is that I put personalities aside and say, what's best for the organization? Let's do what's best for the organization. Let's keep in mind the bigger picture. And when you do this, the result of this is the results will be long-term success and the preservation of harmony. Long-term success and the preservation of harmony. Now, the preservation of harmony is important because that helps keep your team together and he- keeps your team working. Listen, when my dad's generation, uh, you go to work for a company and you would start with that company and you die with that company. Y'all know what I'm talking about? He was a Sears Roebuck. So I was going to be there, be there 30 years. When I hired the phone company, I thought I was going to be there until I walked out, uh, into the grave. And, uh, I met so many long-term phone company, bell system employees and the power company and all these others and the Blue Cross and Blue Shields and all that. And, and you get with that company, you stay with them. Well, now people, you know, they change, uh, I think once it is seven times in their lifetime, people are switching careers and moving out of companies. So when you get good people, you want to keep good people. And you want to try to preserve the harmony as much as possible within the business. And then you raise up these great organizations. All right. So you say, Danny, you got four minutes. How do I get this? Well, I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? These are real quick fill in the blanks. So how do you get to this point to regulate your emotions? Number one, learn your own triggers and hot buttons. All right. Be honest with me. Does everybody here have a hot button? Yeah. Just share those with me so I can get you all excited right now. We all have some triggers and hot buttons. What you need to do, take you a little bit of time with some honest reflection and find out what is it that is my trigger or is my hot button. I know what mine is. Mine is when somebody questions my integrity. I just go ballistic. Okay. That's wrong. I got to do better. They're wrong, but I'll do better. All right. But (laughs) question integrity. Uh, it's just a hot blood. But I'll tell you something else, just being totally transparent with you. I, I've been the pastor here almost 19 years, coming up on 19 years. And when you've been here 19 years, you've done a lot of things, seen a lot of things happen. Then it seems like that any idea that you have and you present it to the people, they should feel like it's coming from Moses and coming down from the mountain because I've been here 19 years. How could I ever possibly be wrong? And sometimes people will question it. And my first reaction is I began to get a little bit defensive of thinking, what's the deal? Look what I've done all these 19 years, just as your pastor. I've survived 19 years. What do you mean? And that is so good that I've seen that trigger and that hotbug, I said, that's just pride. All that is is just flat out pride. And that uh anyone should be able to ask a question or or say, you know, Dan, are you sure you got this right or not? And so just going through this chapter has been a real help to me because it has brought to me said, you know what? That is a hot button, that's a trigger. And, and I've got to notice that. And so every one of us have got these. And if we don't get a hold of those triggers, those hot buttons, then our emotions are going to lead us into directions that we don't want to go. Okay. All right. Number two is this, uh, put together your own personal board of directors. Now, what we mean by that is that you need a place to vent. Everybody needs a place to vent and, uh, put together people that are close to you. that can serve as a sounding board, people that, where you can complain but people who will give you honest feedback. You don't want a bunch of backpackers on there. Everybody oh, yeah, you're the best. You're the best. You're right. They did you wrong. You need people that you can complain, and they can be honest enough to say, you know what? <laughs> They're right. You did kind of miss the ball on that one. That's what you need. All right? We need some to vent, but we need some people to be able to tell us, hey, you, um, you really do need to make some adjustments on that. Number three, help people you lead manage their own emotions help people you lead to manage your own emotions now if any of you have 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 got people that are working for you you have got experience and uh and you may have some young guys or gals here they're coming in you need to, if you see them having a little struggle with with some emotion over there uh, or, or the way they've handled something you can lead them by helping them to manage their emotions and the best way to do that is just tell stories tell your own story and said, "You know what? Let me tell you what I was when I was young in the company. I did this, 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 this. Oh man! And that was that was wrong. I should have had a better handle on that. And by telling that story, they can go, okay, I, I, uh, that that makes sense.' And that's part of the joy of leadership is helping younger people as they're coming up to say it is so important to manage your emotion." And let me tell you how I've done that. Let me tell you how I've dropped the ball. And let me tell you how I've tried to deal with it after that. Number four. All right. I like to use this one. Use humor. Okay. Use humor to diffuse the situation. Now, if you don't have a sense of humor, you probably won't be able to use that. But if you got a sense of humor, use it. And some people misuse humor. Mm, that's dangerous. So you got to be good at it. And for twenty nine ninety nine, call me and I'll give you a great course on how to do that. So, uh, but use humor to diffuse the situation. I'm just going to share it real quick. I know I've, we got about a minute or so, and these last two real quick. But um, when I went to uh, First Baptist Church in, in Ruston, uh, there was uh, business meetings we had each month, and they were very contentious. And uh, that's kind of what I. Um, I just got that. i received that. It was part of the gift of being their pastor is they had contentious business meetings. And, uh, and wow. I, so my job was to try to somehow get us all on the same page and, and let us be friendly people over here. And so after a number of months of going through these contentious uh, business meetings, I would notice that when it came time for the end of the meeting and you'd say, can we get a motion to adjourn? There was a guy over here, Dr. E.R. Minshew. He was uh, a speech professor at tech retired. And then every so often, Bill Best, the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy, would second it. So I got to the point to where, no matter how the meeting was going, I was going to end off on a good note. And so when it came down to the end, I go, Dr. Minshew, And he'd say, i make a motion that we adjourn. Bill Best, i am second it. I oh, And people just start kind of smiling and laughing. Every month, everyone's waiting with anticipation Dr. Minshew, he always sat right there. Uh, Dr. Minshew, he gave his name, Bill Best. The thing that was the funniest thing is when Bill Best was out of town, let me be the second, let me be the second. <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, Dr. Minshew, I make a motion, we adjourned. was wondering, who's going to call on? Bill, will you second it? Oh, great. So you just, things you can do, just try to use a little bit of humor, you'll diffuse situations. Number four is this. Number five, excuse me, be fit, all right? psychological and physical health feed off each other you need to be physically fit and you say i'm not physically fit hello expo right here health expo it'll be here this wednesday you need to be here three thirty to 8 you come out of there you will be physically fit no longer will you be physically fit but you will regulate your emotions 2016 will be the best year you've ever had and you will probably go and buy spam all right number six is this get out of town and what do you mean by get out of town? That means you need some downtime. Everybody needs some downtime. It's the first part of, uh, we're in January of 2016. Before you wrap up this week, you open up your calendar, go through it, and figure out when you're going to take your vacation time, okay? And really make it a vacation. Set aside some time, get out of town, put everything else aside, and just relax, okay? And once you do that, you get a better handle on the emotions. And when you begin to do these things and you regulate your emotions, you're going to be a lot better leader. If you want to do an interesting study, you should do a study of the life of Jesus Christ and just see how his emotions were and how he handled his emotions. Were there times that he got a little angry or or, or kind of spoke up? Yeah, you should see him with the religious leaders. He really got after them. But then there are other times when there were people that came to where he was the one that was the comforter. He was the one that stood at the graveside of a friend of his who died, and he wept as the others around him wept because he understood what it was like for someone physically to be out of the presence of others and understood their hurt, and he wept. But then as you get close to the end of his life, when they were, he was going to be arrested to be taken to a cross to die. In one of the gospel accounts, it says that when the soldiers came and there was Jesus and his band of of disciples, they came to arrest him and they were wondering who Jesus was or where he was. he said, I'm, I'm the guy. They all backed off and he had to stand up strength and says, Hey guys, this is me. If you're going to come in to arrest me, you arrest me. It's almost like he had to almost give them permission. There was such a strength that they saw in him. But they arrested him. They took him to the cross. And when he took him to the cross, he then paid a penalty for every one of our sins. And he died. But then when he died as a suffering servant who said at his trial, when they were asking him questions, he says, you know, I could talk to the father and I could call down about 10,000 angels right now. and They could clean house with every person here. But I'm not. I'm not. Because my whole purpose for coming here was to live a perfect life. And to be a payment for sin so that every person could have eternal life. Wow. And then to be raised from the dead three days later and victoriously ascend to heaven. That's who we serve. And so as you walk through your month, this month, and you begin to think about regulating emotions Look to the New Testament. Look to Jesus and how he handled his emotions. Say, you know what, Lord, I want to be that same type. I want to regulate my emotion. I want to lead my people well, and I want to be the best leader that I can be. Okay? I hope you have a great month, and we look forward to seeing you in February. Thank you very much.